0: Hello, everyone! Happy New Year! Year. Great. Do you like my tie? (laughs) Thank you, Davina. Davina likes it. Everyone else laughed. (laughs) It's a gift from Davina, and it's been worn every day but one since Christmas Day. (laughs) Great. Right. So, going to be preaching about prayer today, particularly about fasting. Take. Take one minute to talk to the person next to you about your experience, or lack thereof, of fasting. Okay? Just, just you know, it's not a time, it's, if you're really into praying and fasting, it's not a time to start boasting about how much you fast. Just chat about, is this, a, is this something you're very familiar with or not really? Is this something that you've heard much teaching on? Just a quick little lowdown, 30 seconds each of where you're at on fasting. Away you go. Okay, so i wonder what I wonder what your conversations were just like uh, i don 't know. I know that fasting is increasingly becoming something very familiar in our part of the world in terms of diets, so if you sort of follow um Social media in any way, or just keep up to date with um, news and things that are going on. What you'll find is there's always new diets coming through um, to improve ourselves physically and to improve our sense of well being and all of that. And one of the so a lot, well, numbers of the new ones coming through over 2019 focused quite a lot on the place of fasting, which hadn't particularly been that mainstream before. And so the physical benefits of going without meals certain points of the day, or going without meals certain points in the, in the week, have been spoken about quite a lot. If you've if you're if you follow that kind of thing, you'll you'll realize that. Um, that's not particularly the kind of fast I'm going to be talking about today, although I think you know that there are benefits across the board in terms of fasting. Um, But we will be looking more at specifically Christian fasting. Fasting as believers along with prayer. That's what we'll be focusing on. But the bigger context is plan A prayer. And what is plan A prayer? Plan A prayer is our attempt to start the new year as a church with a particular focus and concentration on prayer. It's really saying we want to start as we mean to go on. It's really saying that we recognize that God has placed desires and longings in our hearts by his Holy Spirit. And the reality is is that the things that he's put in our hearts can only really be fulfilled by him. And a large part of the way that God fulfills his purposes is through prayer. It's not the only way. Our faith steps of obedience are also ever so important in that. But it's not enough to do that without praying. It would be fascinating for people in the room to be able to speak for one minute honestly about prayer. I think that prayer is one of the things that people find most difficult, um, because I think, for a large part, because I think it is so powerful. And I think to continue in prayer and to persevere in prayer, not just for a couple of weeks, but for years, to make meaningful prayer a part of your life as a as a believer, that's no small thing. And that's something that needs attention, and time, and Holy Spirit empowered effort. And part of what we're doing with Plan A is we're saying, look, we want to just as a church, we galvanize ourselves again in prayer and have a focus on that. It's something that we are doing together, which means that your presence and your contribution counts. Now, I don't know about you, but every now and then you might find yourself thinking about going to a prayer meeting or in a prayer meeting and asking yourself, how much will my actual presence count now? If there's a room full of 20 people praying, what difference will 21 make? Do you understand what I'm saying? What difference would it really make for me to be there? Now, it's hard to quantify and calculate. I can't give you a mathematical formula from heaven. But what I do know is a few things. Number one, if all of us, considered that our contribution to a prayer meeting was not that important, what kind of prayer meetings would we end up having? None. Because there'd be no one there. We'd all be leaving it to the experts, and guess what? It turns out none of us are. There is no such thing as expertise in prayer. You can become more seasoned in it, but prayer by its nature is one of those things where you're coming to God saying, Lord, I don't know what to do about this situation and I need you. It's desperation that qualifies you for prayer, not expertise. It's that sense of, Lord, this is beyond my reach. These are things that I long to see, but I can't make them happen. So I'm coming to you because I know that you can. That's what prayer is. Prayer isn't a... Uh, whether it's prayer by yourself, prayers in running partners, prayers in small group, or prayers in church-wide prayer meetings. It's not an attempt for us to impress one another with prayer. We gather together to say, Lord, will you move, please? Because there are things going on that matter to us and matter to you and that we, in and of ourselves, can't bring the change for. And so we're calling out to you to send your spirit to do that. Amen? That's prayer. That's the heart of prayer. And so I don't, know, I don't know how a prayer meeting of 21 makes a difference to a prayer meeting of 20. But what I do know is, is that for everyone who shows up with a heart to pray, something happens in heaven. Something happens spiritually. Even if you turn up and you leave the prayer meeting thinking, I'm not sure what I contributed to that prayer meeting. I was stood next to the loudest person in the room. And every time they said, let's all pray out loud together, I groaned. Because I couldn't hear myself think, let alone pray. Sorry. Sometimes it can be like that. You can leave a prayer meeting and think, I don't really, I just, what? You know know what? Jesus says, if we gather in his name, he's there among us. If you go to a prayer meeting because you 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 want to add some prayers to the purposes of God, regardless of what happened during that time, I believe it counts. Many of you probably heard the story. I don't mind telling it again because it's a funny story. Of my first attempt at a kind of a half-night stroke all night of prayer. And I went along with a friend of mine to this to this this wonderful couple um, who lived out in Kent somewhere. And they would do a Friday night, 10 till whenever, in their home. And so we turned up and I was excited and I was zealous. And I heard the wonderful stories of great answers to prayer that this man and woman had experienced. And so I went along with my friend and I did all right for about the first 45 minutes. But I was, I was sat quite, on quite a comfy sofa. And it all went horribly wrong from about 10.45 through to about 2.30. And basically what happened was, I, it was one of those ones where you sort of sit up. <laughs> Remember where you were, say some things, say some things. And then flop over onto the other cushion. It was bad, it was brutally embarrassing. And then someone shook me at 2.30 and I sort of made my way home in a daze. That was it. I then met this guy who would hosted the prayer meeting about, an, about a year or so later, you know. and we were talking and I said, I'm so sorry. That <laughs> so, so bad. I slept most of the time sleeping. He said, no, 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 no. He said, you know what that's called, don't you? He said, that's called holy snoozing. <laughs> I said, what? And he just looked at me and he was obviously being lighthearted, but he said to me, yeah, you came to pray. That counts. It counts. And the Bible actually says that none of us know how to pray as we all. We don't. And so, and, and, the, and Jesus is honest. He says, look, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. And sometimes you turn up at a prayer meeting and you know your body's, your body's sort of an hour behind. It still counts. It counts. And as I was sort of preparing for this sermon, one of the things I just wanted you to know, that your presence, your contribution to prayer matters. Please don't believe that thought that somehow your prayers don't count as much as so-and-so's. Because it, it's just not true. And, and you end up with a scenario where you have a church life where, where a few, in quotes, elite prayers turn up for the prayer meeting. You know, Do you know what? That's, that, that's not right. That's not how it should be we're the people of God. If, you, if, you, if you've come to know Jesus Christ, you know the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and you don't know how to pray as you ought to. but he will help you, and he will show you, and he will help us together. So I want to just encourage you during this plan A of prayer, this is something we are doing. This, 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 when we gather together, there's a synergy, there's a, there's a power, there's a... There's something happens, you know, Jesus says, when you agree, when you come together, something happens. It's, it's different from when you're just praying by yourself. So I want to encourage you uh, just, to, just, to think of, just to think about these two weeks starting next Sunday on the 12th. And uh, the main additions to the diary are a few evenings over those two weeks. So we're saying, look, Tuesday morning prayer as normal. Some of you can't get there because you start work at 7. Or you start work at 8, but you start across the other side of London. We get that. But if you can be there, drag yourself there. That's what it, you'll be doing, guaranteed. Drag yourself there. It counts. It counts. Pray with us. Pray with us. Sunday mornings before our service, we will, we'll have a pray. All those who are serving on a team between 10 and 10.15, 10, we want to open it up over these two weeks and say, come and pray with us. Come up to the presidential suite next door between 10 and and 10.15. It counts. And then there's numbers of evenings. Some Tuesdays, some Thursdays, some Sundays. Adjust your diary. Plan to do less than normal so you can come. It matters. It counts. Please do that. We're asking you. We're exhorting you. This really does matter. It's not just... um, going through the motion, ticking boxes, ritualistic. Prayer counts. God hears. God moves. We've seen some wonderful answers to prayer over this year and we expect many more in 2020. Amen? Amen. Amen. Believe that together. We really, really do. We're going to be praying for all kinds of different things. We're going to try and Find a way to just get a little message to everyone daily over those two weeks. Today, let's pray for revival. Today, let's pray for healing. Today, let's pray for the younger generation. Today, let's pray for the workplace. Just so we're all praying for the same thing every day. We'll be doing that over those two weeks. But it starts next Sunday on the 12th and it will finish on the 26th. Um, So that would be great to do that together. On Tuesdays, we're going to say, let's fast together. So I want to talk to you about fasting. Let's read From the Gospel of Mark together should come up on the screen. If you've got a Bible, please feel free to turn to it. Just a few verses. Mark chapter 2. Verse 18. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. People came and said to him, to Jesus... Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? And Jesus said to them, well, can the wedding feasts fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they can't fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. Okay, So, so Jesus' disciples were kind of marked out from other kind of strict disciples because it was party time. It was, it was feasts and parties and it was like, wow, the king is here. For three years, the king is here. One day, the king is returning to earth, to a brand new heavens and a brand new earth, and the king will be here again in person. No one said hallelujah. Oh my goodness. Oh, it's gonna twenty 2020, come on. There's a period of time between his ascension into heaven where he rules at the right hand of the Father and his return where the cry of the church is, come Lord Jesus. Where we long for him so we can be joined with him in marriage forever. Jesus says, in those days they will fast. Because even though he is exalted and he is Lord over all and he has won the victory, and even though he has poured out the Holy Spirit, all of us still live with this groan on the inside, those of us who have been born again. This groan where we know that our current bodies can't contain all that he's put in us. And we long for that resurrection body in that new heaven and the new earth where we will see him face to face and be able to fully live out the new creation that's been implanted to us when we were born again. There's that groaning, that longing. The Bible says creation groans in labor pains. And we ourselves groan with the first fruits. The Spirit's been given to us, but we're in the old body. And so we can't fully express this newness, this resurrection that's been put in us. So we long for that day. And so part of what is is saying, Jesus, we long for you. We recognize that you're not here in the way that you will fully be here one day. And it's part of us saying, Lord, we long for you. That's what it is. In those, in those days, they will fast. Which shows us, and then as we read through the New Testament, we see numbers of times where the early church are fasting. So it shows us that it is the Lord's expectation on us that fasting with prayer will be a part of our, daily, of, of our walk with God. It will just be a part of it. It's not something for certain special elite Christians. Okay, It's part of the package for those of us who love the Lord. So I'm going to say, teach you a few things about fasting, just so you've got your head around it. Because there's not loads and loads and loads and loads of content behind the why and the what and the how of fasting. It's just it clearly happens and clearly is, is, is powerful in the purposes of God. So I'm going to just show you a few things so we understand what we're looking at over these two weeks particularly. The first thing is this. There's a general principle, first of all, in life, that sacrifice leads to power. Sacrifice is a powerful thing. So let me just give you an example even of... of um, of a a sporting situation, those of us who enjoy watching the Olympics or big tournaments, often what you'll find is during those tournaments, certain people will really shine through as amazing athletes. And then often there'll be articles on the internet about them. And and as as you look at these stars and you read about them, what you often find is that part of the secret to their power, other than natural talent and all of that, part of the secret is enormous sacrifice. You read and you find out that the way these people have lived for the last few years, and sometimes even decades, is that they have sacrificed, they have said no to many, many things in order that they might uh, attain to something greater. And it's a really powerful thing. It, le- it leads to a sense of focusing and harnessing of the energies, and I'm just talking on a natural level now, a harnessing of the resources and the energies, mental, um, physical, uh, emotional, together for the express purpose of achieving something. And when there is a strong desire for something and people are willing to sacrifice for it, you find that there is a, a harnessing, there's a focusing which increases the power, increases the ability to get through and accomplish certain things. Now that's not specifically Christian, but it is part of the way God's creation works. So it's not to be dismissed. And so we have to ask ourselves, okay, if we are kingdom people, if we're believers, those who put the kingdom first, those who more than anything else want to see God break through, change lives, want to see the gospel do its work in lies, want to see the church become glorious and shine in a, in a dark world, we want to see breakthrough and healings, and want to see these things that God has promised us, then the question we have to live with is, what, what am I going to say no to in order to harness my energies towards those things? It's just, I, I feel like I've said something revolutionary, but I, ha- I don't think I have. I think it's just the way it goes. All of us in this room will be saying no to certain things in order to be saying yes to other things. We do it all the time. Jesus said, Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Therefore, that is the priority if you're a believer. Not just if you're a pastor, not just if you're a missionary. No, if you're a believer, Jesus says to his disciples, Seek first. God's kingdom and his righteousness. Therefore, that's number one. So therefore, we have to say, okay, so what's going to go by the wayside in order to see that come to pass? Well, I want to suggest to you that on, um, on a couple of Tuesdays in January, it would be food. <laughs> I want to suggest that to you. That we will lay aside that thing which for many of us brings deep joy and comfort and pleasure and sustenance. And we'll say, Do you know what? I'm going to go without that in order to harness my energy towards praying for the coming of the kingdom. That's powerful. When a group of people do that, that's a powerful thing, regardless of anything else, specifically Christian. But you say, We're going, to go, we're going for something. There's a real power in that. Let me urge you to take that seriously. Let me ask you, please, you know, let's, let, 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 please, let's do that. Please, can we own that? No one's going to be breathing down your neck or checking up on you. I'm asking you, can we own that together? And we'll say some practical things about fasting in a minute. But there's just the first thing. The second thing is, is, is what, we're, what we're doing is, is that we are, we're humbling ourselves before God. There's something about fasting where you're basically sort of going, Lord, there are many things in life that are your blessing and that are good. But in order to express our earnest desire and longing. And in order to harness the very best of our energies towards your kingdom, we're going to do without them and humble ourselves before your throne and express in a profound and devoted way our longing and our need for you and for your kingdom. It's humbling yourself. I've got some really great quotes on on fasting here. I was uh, just looking up some different things on fasting and I thought, did Charles Spurgeon ever fast? Because if you ever seen Charles Spurgeon, he was a big lad. And, um, and he was probably one of the jolliest pastors that ever graced the streets of London. And he didn't really look like a father. He looked like more like a feaster than a faster, you know. So, but he says this on fasting, it's quite interesting. He, says, um, he said, our Lord Jesus Christ never made much of fasting. He very seldom spoke about it. And when the Pharisees exaggerated it, he generally put them off. By telling them that the time had not come for his disciples to fast. Because the bridegroom was still with them. And while he was with them their days were to be days of joy. But still Holy Scripture does speak of fasting. In certain cases it advises fasting. And there were godly men and godly women such as Anna the prophetess. Who served God with fastings and prayer night and day. Now I do not mean to spiritualize this away. I believe literally that some of you would be a great deal the better. If you did occasionally have a whole day of fasting and prayer. There is a lightness that comes over the frame, especially of bulky people like myself. <laughs> Clearly you're not talking about me, this is Spurgeon. We begin to feel ourselves quite light and ethereal. I remember one day of fasting and prayer in which I realised to myself spiritually the meaning of a Catholic picture, which I've sometimes seen of a saint floating in the air. Well, that of course is impossible. I don't suppose that when the picture was painted it was believed in a literal sense. But there's a lightness an elevation of the spirit above the flesh that will come over you after some hours of waiting upon God in fasting and prayer. I can advise brethren sometimes to try. It will be good for their health. certainly won't harm them. If we only ate about half what is ordinarily eaten, we should probably, all of us, be in better health. And if occasionally we put ourselves on short commons, I guess that's short, short portions, not because there's any virtue in that, but in order to get our brains more clear, And to help our hearts to rest more fully upon the Savior, we should find that prayer and fasting have great power. And then he goes on and he says, I've often heard of instances in which persons who knew that they were thus made specially the object of some remarkable occasions of prayer have been impressed by the fact, or if not by the fact, yet the outcome of that special, particular, marked season of prayer has been that before long they've been brought to Christ. There's a kind of devil... Will not go out by ordinary prayer. There must be added to that pleading something by which our zeal shall yet be further increased. There must be prayer and fasting. And of course, there he's referring to an instance in the gospel where there was a man with a son who was terribly tormented by evil spirits. And the man asked the disciples to, to, to pray that this boy would be delivered of the torment, and they couldn't do it. And then Jesus came down from the mountain with, a, with some of the other disciples. And, and, and there's a big furore going on because th- they can't do it. And why can't we do it? And Jesus deals with the situation, sees the boy set free and healed and restored. And they say, well, why couldn't we do it? And he says two things. He says, well, it's because of your, your unbelief, first of all. You, 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 you're not really confident that this is God's heart to do this stuff. And then he also says, but also this kind, this particular kind of darkness will not come out except through prayer and fasting. What a fascinating thing to say. Now clearly, in this instance, it just happened upon Jesus. He didn't have time to sort of have a day of fasting and then he dealt with it then and there. So it shows you that if this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting, then it shows you that Jesus' lifestyle of intercession and fasting was fueling and preparing him for moments like this. There are certain things that will only shift through fasting. Now I can't explain the why of that to you. But what I can say to you is this. is that It's clear in scripture that there are different degrees of both angelic and demonic power. And so the assumption is, is that you get certain situations where you think, why won't that person get saved? Why won't this situation shift or move? Where well, you've got to call in the weapon of fasting fasting will not increase God's love for you fasting will not increase your your place in God's family it's not something you do to earn God's merit or favour it's a weapon that is given to you to enhance and empower your prayer in certain situations if you care about this nation in which you currently are you will know that there are surely some things going on that are only going to shift by prayer and fasting so let's pray and let's fast let's take this seriously let's pull the belt in And do the work. There's one other little quote by Spurgeon. Which is I think this is great. He says I'm not sure whether we have not lost a very great blessing. In the Christian church by giving up fasting. So they haven't done much fasting. He's saying I think we may have lost some blessing. He says this. It is said that there's superstition in fasting. So one of the reasons why people weren't fasting. So now it's just superstitious. And he said this. He said an old divine said this. We had better have a spoonful of superstition. Than a bowl full of gluttony. So when you fast, you may get it a bit wrong. You may not do it perfectly. But you know, God sees the heart, doesn't he? And when you say, you know what, Lord, I'm going for your kingdom here. God sees your heart. And there may be certain constraints even upon you in the area of fasting, health constraints and other things. You know, do what you can. God sees the heart. Don't get worked up and don't get perfectionist about it. Don't get weird about it. Do what you can before God, not before others. God sees the heart. But it counts. If it's done from a place of wanting to seek his kingdom, it counts. One other short little quote. Before Mr. Bramwell knew the Lord, he practiced austerity and sought to mortify the flesh by fasting and other means. But not knowing the Lord, he did some foolish things until better instructed in the way of God. And he got saved. When he became a minister, we read that he gave himself to fasting and prayer and diligently sought renewed baptisms of the Holy Spirit. On January the 6th, 1806, he writes this. The flame of love, he was based in Hull up north. The flame of love and salvation is now breaking out on every side in Hull. I know we cannot fast and pray in vain. Oh Lord. The, the issues in our nation, in our communities and neighbourhoods are not primarily political, they're not primarily psychological, they're not primarily social, all those things count. They're primarily spiritual. We must engage spiritually if we're going to see the root of things really change. Prayer with fasting is one way to engage seriously with the spiritual. We've got to learn to look at the things that are unseen because the unseen are eternal, the things that are seen are temporary. We must allow the Lord to help us so we can really engage with that side of things and not find ourselves giving the best of our energies to tampering with things that will only produce temporary results. We have to get involved in temporary things, but the best of our energies ought to be given to those things that are spiritual and eternal. And that we give ourselves to our work and to our neighborliness and to what we f- spend most of our time doing in a spirit of worship. In a spirit of prayer. Looking, looking to be that aroma of Christ wherever we are. I'm going to make one more point on fasting in terms of what it does, which is a little bit, you may have never heard this before. I want to try and demonstrate to you why I think this is a reasonable argument. And I do believe that there is an argument for saying that fasting particularly releases angelic power to help us. Now, the Bible doesn't teach us loads and loads about angels, but it makes it clear that there is a spiritual realm of unseen created beings, some of whom... Um, under the, Under the leadership of Archangel, who is now known as Satan or the devil, rebelled against the lordship and the rulership of God, and so we now know that the angelic realm is a realm of, is a realm of warfare, angelic and demonic. Okay? We know that clearly from the scriptures. Now, what we find in the story of Daniel is a very interesting one where he gave himself to praying and fasting, and three weeks in. <laughs> He wasn't fasting completely. He was abstaining from rich foods and kind of pleasant stuff. So it's what you call, we often call a Daniel fast. It's kind of just vegetables and water. You know, um, actually sounds like the average North London diet anyway. But uh, sorry, but um, <laughs> can't resist that one. That was spontaneous. Um, so he's in this place and, 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 and then this powerful being reveals himself to him after three weeks in, extraordinary, such a terrifying sight that all those who are with Daniel run for the hills, just extraordinary. We don't know whether it's a pre-incarnate vision of Christ um, or whether it's just a, an archangel of some sort, it's hard to know. But this, this, this interaction happens where this being says to Daniel, from the moment you set your face to seeking God in this way, um, heaven has heard. And, and, and the answer has been on its way. But there, I was resisted by the prince of Persia, which is talking about the demonic principality over the, over the nation of Persia. I was resisted. And then the archangel Michael came and assisted me. And we've got through to you with the answer. Now that's mysterious. Agreed. Okay. But that's revelation. That is not, not in the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, but that's spiritual revelation. Okay? There is a, there is a reality going on in terms of spiritual warfare that we don't know loads about. And we, don't need, we only need to know what God has shown us. But there's some clues in here that prayer, humbling yourself and with fasting is mightily effective. And sometimes you think nothing's happening, nothing's going on. Boy, oh boy, all kinds of stuff's going on. All kinds of stuff. And I don't think it's any coincidence either that we're told we, when we see angelic activity in the New Testament. It's often around focused prayer. So you'll find that and, so, and fasting at times. So Jesus in the wilderness fasted for 40 days and there's this, this battle. And then they were told afterwards that angels came and ministered to him. We're told in the garden of Gethsemane that after his intense praying, Jesus saying, not not my will, but yours be done. We're told that an angel was there strengthening him. Interestingly, just before at the last supper, Jesus had set himself and began a fast from what? Remember? From wine. He said, I will not drink this again until I drink it with you in the kingdom. So he just himself initiated a fast from wine and his angel strengthening him. In Acts chapter 12, where Peter's in prison, the church gathered to pray. We don't know if they were fasting, but they gathered to pray. And an angel uh, breaks into the prison and, and, well, appears in the prison, break appears in the prison, and and delivers Peter from prison. Now, we don't talk loads about angels because the Bible doesn't. But we should talk some about angels because the Bible does. It's a simple logic there. Um, We're told that they are sent to serve believers. Angels will strengthen you to serve God more effectively. Whether you are aware of their presence or not is by the by. Because what you don't want to start doing is developing relationships with angels. Okay? But God sends these messengers to strengthen his people for their work. And you, cannot, you can see that fasting is one of the weapons and the tools that God has given us to release angelic power. For the purposes of his kingdom. And what you'll often find is that that the context of that is warfare, pushing back darkness, and wanting to see light advance. Church, we need to mature in these things if we're going to take ground in these things. You can't go, well, that's too weird, I'm not going there. No, go there, let it be weird, learn, engage. If you would engage in this, even though you don't fully, how does it all work? But if you would engage in it on the the basis that it's taught in scripture, and you have a go, you watch what the Lord does. And you'll go, do you know what? I still don't get it fully. But wow. So I want to encourage us in this way to engage that. Okay, coming to land now. um, Fasting is hard. (laughs) There's something really easy about the Christian life and there's some things that are really hard. So here's the easy thing. The easy thing is this, is that we get into the family of God completely freely. No one said hallelujah. 2020 is looking rougher and rougher as this sermon goes off. Folks, folks, you become 100% accepted as you are in the presence of a holy and perfect God who pledges to love you forever as as your father and covenants never to leave you or forsake you as an entirely free gift. The spontaneity in this church is wonderful. (laughs) But, But... You've got to get it. It's, this, is the, this is why the, the, the first posture of a Christian is not to kneel or to stand or to walk, but to sit. There's nothing that you do to get in. He's done it all. Our repentance is not a work. Our repentance, the Bible says that God's kindness leads us to repentance. Our repentance is when God opens our eyes and we say, I've been an idiot. Why am I going my way? I could be going his way? And so we just turn and we give ourselves to, to the light instead of the darkness. That's not a work. You don't earn anything in God by doing that. Our faith is not a work, our faith is just, the spirit of God reveals, the gospel reveals the wonders of Jesus, reveals you can put your trust in him, reveals his life, death and resurrection is all you're ever going to need to get you right with God and so of course you trust in him. That's gift, 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 gift. There's a tremendous ease about the Christian life. Free gift. It's not a reward, it's a gift. You don't earn it. If you earn it, you insult what Jesus has done. You're saying, Jesus, what you did was not enough. It's an insult. You had nothing. God has dealt with our salvation. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit sorted it all and then invited us in. Wow. Easy. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. There's a tremendous ease about the Christian life. Never make it harder than it should be. Folly. The commandments of God are not burdensome. Amen? Then there's some hard bits. (laughs) We follow a crucified saviour who says to us every day, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to learn how to pick up your cross and say no to certain desires that are in you that aren't going to do you any good anyway, but they're strong desires. And sometimes they're not wrong desires. It could be the desire for food, but if you let it master you, it becomes a wrong desire. So there's desires for good things but that they get out of proportion in our heart and so God wants to help us not be a slave to those things and in desire for bad things. Jesus says every day you're going to have to say no to something. It's the Christian life. Fasting is hard. You have to prepare. If you don't prepare yourself for hardship, then you don't respond well when it happens. So If you're going to fast on Tuesdays, when you're going to fast on Tuesdays, it's going to be hard. Okay? And that's okay. That's Okay. That's all right. I would say that the first few years of fasting, I spent way more time fantasising about food than did praying. Way more time. I would develop these elaborate plans, (laughs) and I'm not even a foodie. Like I'm not a foodie. I, you know, I'm not the guy who sort of every day, you know, what we have for dinner. I'm not. I'm not that guy. I'm not a foodie. But I would develop these elaborate plans. (laughs) I, I would come in and start. Talking about food. I don't really do that. i talking about food. You know, I had a friend who would, who would, who would sniff his kid's dinner. There, there is a process. If you want to become mature in prayer and fasting, there's probably something you've got to walk through to get there. What you can easily do in those moments is think this is a waste of time. This is stupid. This is, what's the point of this? I'm thinking about sausages all day. I'm not praying. I prayed more when I'm not fasting. And so you stop. I love sausages. So you stop. Right, You stop. No, don't do that. You're, you're learning. You're learning. And as you just keep at it, what you'll find is that you're able to not just go without food physically, but mentally and emotionally shelve it and focus on the kingdom. But you, you have to grow into that. It's not a, none of it's wasted. You're doing it with a heart for God's kingdom. It's not wasted. But it, it is hard. So maybe just to say a few things um, practically. You're going to fast on Tuesday. What you do on Monday matters. You max it out on the caffeine and the sugar on Monday, you're in big trouble on Tuesday. You're not just daydreaming about sausages. You are in the corner of your bedroom, rocking backwards and forwards, crying. (laughs) Your world has fallen apart. Jesus may or may not still be Lord. Do you know what I mean? It's bad. It's bad. Okay? Okay. true right so you gotta so start so to so be clever on monday you might even need to start winding things down a bit on sunday that way at least you're not battling a really nasty headache on tuesday do yourself a favor so just practically these things are really um important Be accountable in it. If you think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this, and maybe it's something you've done for the first time, or something you just know you struggle to fast. Let a brother or sister know. Well, I'm in for this. Just want to let you know. So I wanted to do a day of prayer and fasting this week. I thought I'm going to struggle. It's Chris. You know, I've, I've, I, I, it's, it's been Christmas, and any kind of raging completely went out of the window during Christmas, and so the sort of quality street levels are pretty high still, and all that. But I wanted to do a damn prayer and fasting this week, so I texted. Just a mate in the church just said, look, tomorrow I want to pray and fast. I feel like I want to do that. just want to let you know. That really helps me to stick with it that day. You understand? Why? Because I want to impress him. No, it just helps me. It's just a helpful dynamic. I put it out there. Because when I decide something in my own heart and don't tell anyone, it's so easy to just go, do you know what? (laughs) You won't do that. (laughs) So easy, isn't it? Yeah? So practically... We are, we are in, we're jars of clay, we're in, we're in bodies that, you know, that are not fully kind of fitted out for the kingdom. We've got to make some decisions that are going to help us so that we can be, so that we can be fruitful. So what does plan A look like? Let's make some decisions, let's resolve. I want to just give you guys, before we go back now to having a bit of a sing and breaking bread and, you know, just blessing the Lord till the end of the service, I want to just give you couple of minutes sitting where you are get your west ham booklet out or aston villa or burnley or these are the the colors for those teams i love claret and blue get it out find one if you haven't got one have a look at it okay get your diary out your paper diary your phone diary it's practical time now it's time now where you go yeah okay we'll put that in we'll get there we'll we'll make some make some decisions around that just be practical that's very very godly to be practical and to be planned, and to plan, and make some decisions. So I'm just going to give you guys a minute or two to just do that, okay? Just, and then we'll just end in prayer, take it from there.